Just after 11 o'clock, it is Fantasy Frenzy here on Sports 1440. Connor Halley and Brandon Douglas with you here. Coming to you live from the Stingray Studios here in West Edmonton Mall. Fantasy Frenzy, as always, brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky, home of Alberta's best beef jerky locations in Leduc, Spruce Grove, and Sherwood Park. Leduc, Spruce Grove, West Edmonton Mall. Sorry, breaking news just coming down here. Taylor Cornelius released by the Edmonton Elks. Just now, Hernan Salas uh, sending out that message to the uh, to the media group here. Not my source, as I've said before, not my source, but Taylor Cornelius, uh, obviously with McLeod Bethel-Thompson, coming to the Elks organization along with Trey for the team, trying to save a little bit of money here. I believe Cornelius was going to be making like a hundred grand with a bonus or something along those lines. So the move made also Canadian linebacker Adam Konar, who uh, went healthy, guy can play, but... Uh, uh, the team obviously moving on there. So that's some uh, breaking news to start off the show right now. As I was saying, Fantasy Frenzy powered by Wilhock Beef Jerky, home of Alberta's best beef jerky locations in Leduc's Spruce Grove and West Edmonton Mall, wilhockbeefjerky.com. Today on the show, we'll talk a little NFL fantasy if we want, some daily, because we do got a lot of action coming up this weekend in the NFL. Of course, the NHL continues to roll on in our fantasy pool. I've dropped down to fifth place. Quite disappointing. My goaltending injury is catching up to me now. And uh, we will be joined by Anna Dua of NF, or NHL Fantasy and the NHL Network. That'll be in about 17, 18 minutes time here. But first, uh, Brandon, maybe some instant reaction. Taylor Cornelius released by the Edmonton Elks. Probably not a move that anyone really will be surprised by. Uh, no, reports of this uh, coming across from uh, Farhan Lalji last week. I believe it was uh, kind of teeing us up for this. And then, of course, with the signing of uh, McLeod Bethel Thompson, all but solidified that um, that notion. So I'll be honest with you. The Elks, the, like both moves here kind of confuse me a little bit. If you're going to pay Cornelius regardless, I, I get it. He's shown he's he's not, you know, the guy. But I thought Trey Ford showed, sh- showed us that he was uh, at least, uh, you know, earned the right to kind of um, – compete for the starting job uh, coming out of camp this year. But Chris Jones saying that McLeod Bethel-Thompson is being brought in to be the starting quarterback. So is Trey Ford just going to be used as kind of a gadget-type player, like almost a, a Taysom Hill-style player in the in the Elks' offense? It, it's confusing both ways for me because you're paying a pretty big sum of money to McLeod Bethel-Thompson on a team that I thought was trying to start saving a few pennies. And, of course, they do that by uh, getting themselves out of the – bonus to Taylor Cornelius, but Cornelius's contract, uh, the rest of it's still uh, got to be paid out. So it, it's a bit of a head scratcher to me, all these moves in conjunction, all leaning back to the point that I, I, I mixed in there. I thought Trey Ford was going to be the team's quarterback this year, a guy that puts fans in seats and is exciting to player to watch out at uh, down at Commonwealth every week. I'm with you. It was a bit of a surprise, and we had McLeod Bethel-Thompson on with Gregory yesterday, and he very well spoke and said all the right things. I love the confidence that he brought, and you know, he said he, he's reached out to Trey Ford. He's spoken to him, and he said he hates hearing jobs given. He wants it to be earned, so he's going to go out there and compete for his job. Obviously, people will be watching out for him because Trey Ford is the fan favorite. He's the guys people want to see out there, and McLeod Bethel-Thompson comes in. There's no loyalty there. He spent his previous five seasons in the CFL with the uh, – Toronto Argonauts obviously won a Grey Cup his final year. Pretty good season. Uh, led the league in passing in the uh, USFL, I do believe, with the New Orleans Breakers. So, I mean, I don't know how much stock people will put into that one. But it, it's going to be a competition. And honestly, I saw the overreaction. I saw people freaking out. Y- you want to win football games. If Mikhail Bethel-Thompson gives you the, the opportunity. opportunity to win football games, that's the way you're going to go. I mean, Chris Jones, 
I don't know if he feels like the seat's hot, but he's got to win football games. That's what they need. And the CFL does have that rule where you can put two quarterbacks on the field. I would love to see someone just like a, an offensive-minded, the guru, be like, I'm going to change the CFL this year. Trey Dump. Ford, you're going to be out there all the time, buddy. Flea flicker like, every snap. <laughs> we're going to utilize your athleticism, your playmaking ability. And I mean, I, I just, I hope it goes well. I, I feel sick for Trey Ford because I'm sure he felt like this is, this is it. His opportunity, right? And I mean, exactly. if the opportunity is still there, you know, uh, depending how camp goes, of course, he's not immediately stapled to the bench, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I thought they could have um, went elsewhere, maybe a, a more inexpensive option at the backup quarterback position. And like I said, a veteran player maybe to come in and, and still put some pressure on Trey Ford. But the sum of money, um, Bethel Thompson's you know uh, absence from the league the, this past year, I, I don't know. It all just goes back to, like I said, a head-scratching move, and I'm left a little bit more confused than I was uh, a week ago when it comes to this team. But like I said, Bethel Thompson had a pretty good year uh, down in the U.S. League. Um and uh, allegedly, or reportedly, based on what he said, uh, had some practice squad offers from from NFL squads. So he obviously showed a desire to come back and actually play meaningful games. So that has to count for something, I think. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see when the games get going. You know, as you're a backup in any sport, you're really just one play away from getting in there. Things can happen. And uh, we'll see where it goes. Any text, one 1440 would be the line to do so. You can also get us on the email, Connor at sports1440.ca and Brandon at sports1440.ca. couple of messages coming in. Pillman says, this is why the Elks are a joke. Always love them, but dumb. Well, I mean, the writing was on the wall for Taylor Cornelius. You're paying him a lot of money, uh, yeah. you know, and it, it just wasn't working out. There's too much inconsistencies. He had some great moments, but there were a lot of head scratchers as well. I mean, you're p- basically at the end paying him to be your yeah. third and short quarterback, yeah. which I don't think is ideal. Uh, it's Trey Ford or it's McLeod Bethel-Thompson. Those are the, the quarterbacks this year. Hope they stay healthy, and hopefully they can have a few more weapons around them to make some plays. Got to keep them upright. That is always crucial here. Uh, the text line, got a couple more coming in here. Nick, remember last week when I crowd crowd crowed about John Morant in the seventh round? I should have stayed humble. The fantasy gods are cruel and vengeful. Yeah, John Morant, uh, he's going to miss the remainder of the season with that right shoulder injury. He had come into the lineup and looked so good. Not a surprise. We know how good John Morant is when he's out there and uh unfortunately he's going to be out for the remainder of the season with a shoulder injury and i guess if you're a memphis grizzlies fan that'll pretty much do it without john Moranta. don't like those odds well they were terrible the first <laughs> third of the him. season without him yeah. he comes back and i mean the the results still a mixed bag with him back in the lineup but at least he was showing that he's still that dominant player that we knew him to be before the suspension and all the uh, off uh, off court issues and and whatnot but i i you know what my bigger concern here is? Like, with him not playing, practicing, does this possibly open an invitation to, once again, like a, a bigger opportunity and a negative opportunity to get back into some of these off-the-court off issues? Because when, you, when you're practicing every day, playing games, you know, you're in the limelight constantly, I, I think that can at least help you stay out of trouble a little bit because you're focusing on playing basketball. And I know in the past that hasn't been the case, but if he is going through some sort of... I don't know if you want to call it recovery or healing process from cutting people out of his life that have uh, done harm to him or making changes. All of a sudden you don't have the one thing that you are truly best at and can count on every day. And now all of a sudden you're uh, rehabbing shoulder surgery where you do nothing but sit around for at least a, a little bit off the hop. I, I, I'm a little nervous about uh, what John Morant might get up to now. I hope the best for him because I love watching him play hoops. 
but uh, yeah, I, I think I'm a little nervous right now. Yeah, I mean, hey, I saw the uh, little viral picture of John Morant going out about focus. I don't know if you saw that one. I did not. I'll show it to you during the break. Uh, he's got a little girl. There, that's got to be the focus. And I, you know, he had the, the child before, and he still had issues. But you're right. I mean, I, I hope his focus is on the game. Uh, speaking of games, it is game day. The Oilers taking on the Chicago Blackhawks tonight, a Blackhawks team who did beat the Calgary Flames over the weekend with what some would say an ECHL roster. Others might say AHL. But I heard some people say East Coast League. The East Coast League, that's slander. That's that's, that's rude to say. These are pros. These are are good hockey players, of course. Uh, On a competitive team, a playoff team, would they maybe be cracking the lineup? I I don't think so. They've still got some good players. Philip Kershev, Lucas Reichel, I think, guys, the Blackhawks fans are excited to keep playing. Are they going to be a long-term player? piece of this team's future Kevin Korchinski Alex Vlasic on the back end Vlasic was terrific uh, mm-hmm. when the Blackhawks last played this uh, this Edmonton team so there's some guys to watch I, I think worth uh, keeping tabs on but by all by all measures this should be a chance for the Oilers to absolutely uh, feed another team their lunch uh, on the road kick the road trip off and win their eighth straight game and uh, continue to climb up the standings just be robotic doesn't matter who you're playing. Just play the do, same do, way. It'll <laughs> be good. Take care of business. Yeah, and you'll you'll take care of business for sure. Uh, that one gets going at 6.30. Uh, we'll let you know what's coming up on the shows with Low Tide and Gregor, but it'll be a lot of Oilers and Blackhawks preparation. Chewy says, in my opinion, bringing in McLeod Bethel-Thompson is the right thing to do. Team started to figure out Ford near the end of the year. He is young and could learn a ton from MBT. We can run the ball with more consistency of the pass game in the pass game with our wide receivers from Chewy. Chewie, I don't disagree with you. Like, and one of the things I thought McLeod Bethel said very well yesterday was, you know, one of the things, you know, Trey Ford makes so many plays, you know, improvised, but could he learn from the pocket? Absolutely. And can a pocket quarterback like McLeod Bethel-Thompson help him that way? For sure. So we'll see. We'll see how it works out. Worst case scenario, you know, it doesn't go well and the team eventually loses Trey Ford. That would be heartbreaking because this guy has superstar potential and, absolutely puts people in the seats. Best case scenario, the team wins a whole lot of football games. Both players are involved, and going into the 2025 season, Trey Fort's taken massive steps. He's rewarded handsomely, and he's locked in here. Probably ends up somewhere in the middle, but uh, I just hope it's not the worst case scenario because then in hindsight, we're all going to look back, and uh, that's not what this team needs. Amazon Driver asking about the John Morant injury. Is it his dominant shooting shoulder we put it that way it's his right shoulder probably then probably (laughs) i don't think he's really a rifle guy so the i think he's more of a pistol the greats are ambidextrous yeah well quick draw mcgee (laughs) double hands out of the holsters brandon last night college football national championship michigan no surprise the superior team well, pack. that was a surprise to me. The pack who? <laughs> pack who? Um, tough way for their whole thing to kind of crumble with teams leaving next year. But uh, credit to Michigan. Finding a ways to – great start. I thought I thought it was going to be a blowout, so I'll give the Huskies a lot of credit for hanging in there. The, the Huskies defense really stood up, uh, particularly in the second half. And even at the end of the first half, second half, giving their offense a chance in the game. But um, – like drop balls, penalties on offense. Like there was a couple plays that got pulled back that were really kind of flipped the field. It's a, I think Michigan proved that they they are the best team. Like you said, I think it would have been really cool for the Pac-12 to go out with a, a national championship on the uh, on the mantle to kind of sit there forever. But uh, it 
I mean, we're going to see a lot more of this type of matchup with Washington uh, joining the the Big Ten as well as USC um, next season. Yeah, I, I thought Washington would put up a little bit better fight. Of course, I've been singing the praises of Michael Penix Jr. Uh, but that Michigan defense is, is for real. It, it's legit uh, top to bottom. And you got to give credit to J.J. McCarthy for managing uh, a good game. His numbers don't pop off the, the box score at you. But he did what he had to, and he came up with big plays when I think it really mattered. So, uh, of course, Michigan's run game top shelf uh, they 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 kind of pound ground and pounded the the huskies d all night long um i'm disappointed because i was financially and emotionally invested <laughs> in this huskies team to win last night or at least uh cover the points they did not uh, i'm down a little bad but uh credit where credit's due michigan deserved to win that game pretty well start to finish yeah and jj i mean the, maybe the passing yards weren't there but a couple big runs yeah late in the game when he had to have them made some very big plays there in the run game uh, I mean, we were watching this game, and he'll take you behind the scenes. About 5.45, I started to get a migraine. Mm. So my vision wasn't good. So I'm kind of like watching, and I'm like, you hear Michigan touchdown, rushing touchdown. Oh, it's got to be Corum. No, first, no, it wasn't. First two, not Blake Corum. Yeah, man. so like some depth there. And you know what? That opens the door for Jim Harbaugh to walk off in the sunset. He's done what he had to do. He uh, came back to get that program where it belongs. A lot of playoff appearances. Finally win one. Where is he next year? I, I, I'll, I'll verbatim say to you what I sent to a friend of mine back in Delburn who is, a like you, a big Chargers fan. Uh, Harbaugh can ride off into the sunset now with his national championship. And by the sunset, I mean westbound and down to the California coast and uh, take his place as head coach of the L.A. Chargers. I've I've seen Raiders fans interested, Bears fans, because he also Bears played in Chicago. Very, and I think that might be – we talked about Eberflus a bit yesterday. I think that this might be the thing – holding up like if the bears can get harbaugh they will fire matt eberflus if they can't i think they're content to roll with him for another year yeah that and that that's just another can of worms for this bears off season is he good enough or is he not good enough <laughs> like, well now another, another opening as of uh, as of 30 minutes ago according to adam schefter uh, harbaugh to the titans question mark titans opening up Vrabel, yeah Vrabel was probably like oh no shoot <laughs> yeah. don't Whoops. fire me probably happy to get out of there with what's going to happen but yeah. the bears like Fields, what do you do? What do you do with their head coach? What do you do with the number one overall pick? Like this offseason for the Chicago Bears, there should be a documentary following them. Might be uncut. Might be the most important one of uh, the past quarter century in the Bears. And that's a team that's had a lot of success. Uh, Of course, going to a Super Bowl. Um, Did they... Did they win one in the 2000s? They, Bears? Yeah. They lost to the Colts. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. So they, they've had success. I mean, the infamous double doink, which had its anniversary, I think, on Saturday, um, the last time they kind of were close to, to competing for a championship. So uh, this this season, this offseason matters a lot for the Bears for every reason you said and, and probably a few more underlying issues as well because they had they had other problems. Uh, Eberflus' own staff, um, defensive coordinator, you know, resigns uh, early in the season. I think it was their – Another uh, assistant coach within their system uh, left the team for personal reasons. A lot of stuff brewing there. Um, hopefully they can get it sorted out because I think the league's a better place when the Bears are competitive. Big market, great rivalries, of course, with uh, Green Bay, Minnesota, and that entire North division. So I'd love to see the Bears back in the mix, but I don't think they'll be necessarily competing uh, for an NFC North title next season, regardless of what routes they take. The Tiger says Harbaugh and high knee Russ in Atlanta. Oh, maybe. I, I think Russ in Atlanta would not be the best fit for them, but I think it could be a one-year stopgap. And uh, Brad says, Justin Fields is going to the Broncos. Are you giving up a first for him? Second? 
We'll see. We'll discuss that in the third segment. We got to get to break. I don't want to keep our next guest waiting. Anna Dua of NHL Fantasy will join us. We'll talk some hockey. It is Fantasy Frenzy here on Sports 1440, brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. 1121, it is Fantasy Frenzy here on Sports 1440. Connor, Hallie, Brandon, Douglas with you. The show brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky, home of Alberta's best beef jerky. Locations in Leduc, Spruce Grove, and West Edmonton Mall. Wilhawk Beef Jerky. Dot com. If you want to get some text into the show, one 401 We're going to talk a little NHL fantasy right now with our Canadian Brewhouse fantasy wizard. Of course, you can join the CBH for the Oilers game tonight. 6.30 puck drop as the Oilers take on the Blackhawks. Every Oilers game at the CBH. They also give you tickets to an upcoming home game. So uh, definitely a great spot to check out. And then all weekend for the NFL and Monday. Super wild card weekend. It's going to be amazing. Head down to the Canadian Brewhouse. Get the app and collect your awards. And then, just for downloading the app, you can also get a free order of the Garlic Fingers. So, Brandon, I mean, kind of just makes sense, really. Win-win. Yeah. I see no negatives out of, out of this situation. Literally no downside okay. to going down to the CBH for hockey, football, whatever it might be, basketball. It's all down there. We now bring in Anna Dua from NHL Fantasy. You can give her a follow on Twitter and or X at Anna Noel Dua. Anna, good afternoon. How are you doing today? I'm doing so good. How are you guys? We are doing very good. Appreciate you coming on this show today. Uh, first question for you, since we are, you know, relatively early on in the new year, uh, who are some names you think might start to break out in the 2024 calendar season, especially with a focus on fantasy? Oh, well, there was a couple of names I said right before the new year, and I'm looking pretty solid right now. In December, my bio candidate that I was pumping his tires was Andrei Svechnikov for the Carolina Hurricanes, and everyone saw, like, what a start to January he's had thus far, like, absolutely tearing it up and looking like him old self again. And I know a lot of people who drafted him were kind of concerned with how much time he missed even at the start of this season and the fact that it was a little bit slower than expected, still not really slow. I think, like, that that's a big win that I'm carrying to start off the year, but there's a bunch of guys that you expect to turn around. Uh, Alex Ovechkin, another one who has put up shots, not shooting anywhere near the shooting percentage we've seen him shoot at in the past. Same story kind of goes for Matthew Kachuk right now, and any of those guys who their shot numbers are still really high, guys you probably drafted very high but just haven't found the back of the net that much, Like you know that's going to change with some of those guys. And a guy in town here who's having a fantastic start to the season would be Zach Hyman, 25 goals, I believe, on pace for 58. How confident are you that he can keep this up through the entirety of the regular season here? Uh, He's been lights out so far this year, but that's kind of the way Zach Hyman's been playing for a while, even in the playoffs for Edmonton. It's just depending on where he plays in the lineup. If he's playing with Connor McDavid, I assume that he's going to be able to keep up the pace. He's yet to prove me wrong thus far, and he seems to be scoring night after night, producing night after night, and I'm not really shocked. I mean, if you're playing with a guy like Connor McDavid, you're going to put points up on the board, and they have some unreal chemistry right now. It looks like it's still going strong, so yeah, I think Zach Hyman does not fall off, guys. I'm really sold on him as a player. Now, I know when you look at this matchup tonight for the Edmonton Oilers in Chicago, taking on the Blackhawks, and I will say we know that the Blackhawks did beat the Flames over the weekend, so you can't take them lightly by any means. But if you're someone who's getting into daily fantasy today, do you think this is an opportunity to kind of load up on the Oilers, obviously financially if you can, taking on an opponent like Chicago? Yeah, I mean, Chicago's had some big losses, to say the least, on the injury front. Connor Bedard, Nick Foligno, list goes on and on for the Blackhawks, but Bedard being the big one. So 
favorable matchup for Edmonton. You never want to jinx it, but it looks like the Oilers are set up to have a good night. Obviously, like, the big names in Edmonton, like Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are going to cost you a bunch. Zach Hyman is going to cost you a little bit less, but not by much. Loading up on some other guys, though, that maybe you think can produce, just given the opponent they're playing against tonight, like even like a guy like Warren Fogle, who I feel like flies under the radar, but has phenomenal lineup placement, is someone that I'm keeping my eye on right now, and Evander Kane is someone I'm keeping my eye on right now. And on their back end, I feel like everyone's kind of talking about Evan Bouchard, but Ekholm's a guy that might be worth putting in your lineup in a matchup like this, specifically against Chicago. Anna Dua from the NHL Network and NHL Fantasy joining us here on Fantasy Frenzy. Brandon uh, Douglas, Connor Halley with you. Um, Anna, of course, the, the big news out of the NHL stemming from yesterday afternoon, the trade that sends a uh, highly touted prospect, Cutter Goche, over to Anaheim. We, we know we won't see Goche till maybe at best the tail end of this season once he wraps up his college season. But heading back the other way is Jamie Drysdale, a former sixth overall pick. Um, we've seen him put up over 30 points in his one full NHL season. He's been hampered by injuries. But what do, what do you think this uh, lines up for him landing in Philadelphia now does he immediately slide into their top power play spot on what's been a uh, really quite plainly bad power play for the Flyers this season and uh, does that give him a little more upside moving forward it definitely gives him upside like we have to remember like I know we didn't think this heading into this year but the Philadelphia Flyers are genuinely playoff contenders they look pretty solid a lot of their players are stepping up to the mark right now and adding a guy like Jamie Drysdale into the mix it definitely increases his value coming from a team like Anaheim because Anaheim has a very solid future guys I have no doubt about that and when I'm looking at their offensive core group it looks really great like we saw flashes of how good Mason McCavish can be this year and he's even overshadowed doing a guy like Trevor Zegers, who was their most touted player for the past couple of seasons. And you're seeing that Anaheim has a bright future ahead. But right now, as it stands, like the Flyers have a better outlook in this particular season. And Jamie Drysdale being thrown into that mix, I like that position for him. I like this move for the Flyers because when you're looking at their wingers and who they gave up in return for Jamie Drysdale, like these guys are also stepping up to the plate this year. Joel Farabee is a player that I think gets overlooked so much because he's had injury concerns of his own so people don't really factor in the recovery period for how he's been a bit slower and you're seeing him pop off a little bit this season Tyson Forrester saw this kid playing juniors I think he has such a high individual upside in the NHL Owen Tippett list goes on and on so they didn't really hurt their forward depth too too much despite how great of a prospect Cutter Gauthier is and they add Jamie Drysdale to their back end and he's a very wanted position so I think this is a good move for Philly and they're going to come out looking pretty decent uh, just to quickly wrap up the, the talk about the Flyers, uh, Cam York was a guy that I personally had pretty high expectations for coming into this season. Uh, he he kind of, the aforementioned, pretty poor Flyers power play. He's been removed from the top unit there, uh, now saddling in on the second uh, second um, deployment to the team. Like, d- does this put a hamper on if you were holding on to Cam York or maybe stashing him on the bench as kind of a long-term play, uh, maybe a keeper league or something like that. Does this pretty much eliminate Cam York as a viable fantasy option uh, with only so many, uh, you know, touches to go around on a Flyers power play? Yeah, I feel like at this point I'm a little bit down on him just in terms of fantasy because, like, the big name for me on the Philadelphia blue line this entire season has definitely been Travis Sanheim. I think he's the big player that I'm looking at in terms of just production and every category pretty much across the board. I mean, starting off the season for a decent amount of months, he was, like, 
way, way up there in the league in terms of ice time. Like, he was top two or three, and that's fallen off a little bit, but he's still just, like, barely outside of the top ten, I think. And he's having a pretty decent season for himself. He has, like, 25 points in 39 games, and that's not a bad look for a guy like Travis Sanheim, who probably wasn't on many people's radars before the season started. So when you have a guy like that who's the bigger name for me in terms of Philadelphia defensemen adding Jamie Drysdale, I feel like Cam York just kind of gets caught up in that mix. And when you're getting to third, fourth defensemen, there's definitely teams that have more blue line depth that you can take a look at than the Flyers. No, for for sure, absolutely. Uh, Anna Dua from NHL Network and NHL Fantasy joining uh, myself and Connor Halley here on Fantasy Frenzy on Sports 1440. Uh, looking back at tonight's slate of games, Anna, uh, the Boston Bruins coming off a, a tough shootout loss to the Avalanche. They go back-to-back on the road now in Arizona tonight. Um, w- Bruins, of course, are the top of their division, uh, still the cream of the crop in the NHL, but with the back-to-back in hand, plus being on the road, do you think uh, a couple different coyotes players they've got a lot of tantalizing offensive options uh do you like some of them as plays in a a daily fantasy setup yeah i like the yotes guys i know they're struggling a little bit as a late heading into this game off of three consecutive losses but i think when their offense gets hot their offense gets hot and they're probably a decent value tonight their top line is definitely what i'm looking at in this game clayton keller leading the team obviously in points 32 and 38 games this year nick schmaltz also Pretty decent year, nothing to ride home about. But the big name is Alex Kerfoot getting to play in between those two guys on their top line. He's a player that's been on my radar pretty much every Coyotes game because I'm a big lineup placement gal. I talked earlier about how much Zach Hyman benefits from playing with Connor McDavid, and you can see that in every single team. Alex Kerfoot getting a great opportunity to play in between Clayton Keller and Nick Schmaltz, who are two players. When they get hot, they get hot. But in this particular matchup against the Bruins, guys like, despite coming off of a shootout loss against the abs like everyone on boston seems to be finding the score sheet as of late and you can get some pretty decent values outside of the bigger names on that team trent frederick has been unreal as of late he's had goals in three of his past five games like charlie Coyle has like a seven game point streak right now he's playing with jake debrusque who's also just got his six game point streak snapped in that game last night so i feel like boston has a lot of guys that you can throw in your daily fantasy lineup other than like the david pasternak of the world Last one for you, Anna, is Anna Dua is our guest on Fantasy Frenzy on Sports 1440. Connor Halley, Brandon Douglas. Uh, Anna, I think we can't uh, go the full same without talking about the, the talk of the NHL, which is the Winnipeg Jets surging to the top of the standings. They've got, uh, much like the Oilers, a pretty favorable matchup tonight as they host the Columbus Blue Jackets. If you're looking to, uh, to maybe stack some lines in daily fantasy, uh, Jets players may be providing a bit of a cheaper option than the Oilers uh, in Chicago. What do, you, do you think of that play as a viable one, or do you think in, sticking with the Oilers is the safer bet? Yeah, I'm buying into the Winnipeg Jets, guys. Like, I think this team is legit, and I know that everyone's a little bit shocked in terms of where they are in the standings, and I'll admit I do not give them enough credit in the preseason either, but what has really impressed me about the Winnipeg Jets, obviously Connor Hellbuck and the way he's been playing. In addition to that, though, like, they're without Kyle Connor, who's, like, their best player, and look at the way they've been tearing it up despite having that absence. So the Jets are legit. Their top six, even without Kyle Connor, looks legit, and 
there's a lot of big names there that you could get decent value for that have been producing. Like one stands out for me is Vladislav Nemestikov. He has eight points in his past six games. He's on a pretty decent stacking line right now with Cole Perfetti and Alex Ayafalo. So if you want to look beyond the Ehlers, Shifley, Velarde top line, their second line is actually decent. Nino Niederreiter puts up shots on goal. I talked about him last week in one of my shows. Pretty much night after night being pretty consistent and on their back end. Outside of Josh Morrissey, Neil Pionk was also doing pretty well as of late. So a lot of value in Winnipeg. Definitely you can get a better bang for your buck than you could with Edmonton. And I really like them in this matchup for sure. And uh, just one last question for you here. It came in from one of our texters, Earlobe. He made a trade and he wants to ask uh, if you think he won it. Uh, it's Cam York and Nick Schmaltz for Alex Newhook, Zach Jones, and William Carlson. Which side do you think won the deal? Ooh. That's a good one. I really do like Nick Schmoltz as a player, but you know what? I'm going to go with the Zach Jones, William Carlson, Alex Newhook side, just because I think Vegas is going to like just turn it around and go on another heater once again. And William Carlson really, really impressed me earlier on in the season, and I feel like he's one of those guys when he gets back into the lineup people are glossing over him a little bit. I feel like people forgot what he did in the postseason just because he's missing time. So once he's back, guys, I feel like that might be the winner there. There you go. A little extra advice there for those of you maybe looking to make a pickup. Uh, Anna, thanks so much for doing this today. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a good one. There you go. That is Anna Dua of NHL Fantasy coming on our Fantasy Wizard brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. William Carlson, go grab him. Buy low, buy low candidate, right, Brandon? That's what they say? Yeah, buy low candidate, unlike the uh, Anaheim Ducks, who bought at the highest possible price on Cutter Goche. But by all accounts, you know, top five prospect across the entire NHL. So we will see. Sounds like a problem, though. We will see. <laughs> I mean, I'd rather play in Anaheim than Philly, too. Disneyland's right there. Your, your, your well-documented love affair with Disneyland. Philly's cool, too, I suppose, but it gets kind of chilly. You hang out with Frank, Sarah Yeah, you know what? Great sports town. Great sports town, although the Eagles, yikes. So if you lived in Philly, yeah, you can watch the Eagles, you can go watch the uh, the Sixers. Every one of their the stadiums Phillies. for all the four of their major teams is uh, the title, like whatever you want to call it, title sponsor of the stadium is a bank. That's where the money they, is. They call it the the football field. They call the link for Lincoln Financial. The the bank, uh, Citizens Bank Park, Wells Fargo Center for the. I think the Flyers and Sixers both play out of that one. Correct. Yeah, I assume. So there you go, Bank City, Money City. And you know what their soccer team name is called? The Cannons. The Philadelphia Union. And I feel like some banks are kind of <laughs> like unions, like the credit union. The credit union. I'm a credit union man myself. There you go. I don't know exactly where they play Subaru Park. <laughs> is that true? Yes, it oh is. Oh, my God. That's the new in Philly. But then again, you play in Anaheim, you got the Chargers attraction, Rams, Lakers, you get double. You get double amount Dodgers, of every sports Angels. team. And the, if, like I said, Anaheim, Angels, Angels Field, Angels yeah. Park is right across the street uh, on, I think it's called Catella Avenue. Some might say. I think that's what it's called. I, 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 did, it. I just know that uh, that very well-documented... Late playoff comeback by the Ducks over Edmonton was uh, called the comeback on Catella. It's oh, a stupid name. Uh, Randy texting into one eight three three four zero one fourteen four. You haven't played DFS NHL only NFL, but if everyone knows it should be point night for the Oilers, isn't it better a better play to fade that chalk and get leverage with lower owned players? 
It could be. Good question. Here's the thing. I do this to myself all the time, uh, playing daily uh, daily stuff, and even sometimes in setting my lineup, uh, whether it be for football or hockey on my like year-long fantasy leagues, like I think I'm too smart. And I'm like, you know what? Everybody's going to be taking Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid. Kind of why I posed that question to, to Anna about the Jets. Jets' top players are cheaper options. Yeah. Likely to probably be just as much a point night for them going up against the Blue Jackets. So... I think you can outsmart yourself or or at least try to outsmart yourself sometimes in this. Like, do not be mistaken. The Chicago Blackhawks are icing what is almost equivalent to an AHL roster tonight against the Oilers who are coming in winners of seven straight. The Oilers are due for a, a kind of downturn, I guess, or a rough, a bump in the road maybe. I do not think it comes tonight against the Blackhawks. I would expect it more likely maybe against Detroit on this road trip or something like that. Um but I, I totally get where you're coming from, Randy. You sometimes want to steer clear of the chalk. Husks, uh, I just asking about Mike Vrabel being fired. That That's the report. I assume it's confirmed. I don't know if the Titans uh, well, have it's, put it's it Sheff- up yet. Schefter's, I don't think the Titans have necessarily confirmed it, but I mean Schefter about as reliable as they come when it comes to breaking some news. He's a great coach, but that just feels like New England. Like Bill moves on, yeah, Vrabel they, slides in. In the next, who knows, in the next couple of days, we see uh, Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots have mutually decided to part ways. We wish Bill Belichick the best and thank him for his many years of service and all of his championships. And then in a corresponding move, we hired Mike Vrabel as the new head coach of the t- uh, New England Patriots. And every team should interview him. Every single team. I, I look at him like he's his teams are prepared. He doesn't have those gaffes. He's liked. He looks like he could still play. <laughs> I had this as an in or out with Kevin and I can't remember what day of the week it was. So who was our co-host, but with somebody, I want to say late November, early December saying that Vrabel will have more success in his second landing spot as a head coach, because the Titans are just like, uh, it's weird because everybody thinks of Nashville as obviously a big, uh, big area and stuff, but, and people love their football in the South, but the Titans are kind of like a, low event team, right? Like they're not going to go out and land huge money, free agents, uh, swing big trades. They brought in Dondre Hopkins, but it almost kind of seemed like nobody else wanted him for some reason. I, I don't know. I think with Will Levis there, they've got some good stuff moving forward, but they got to get, uh, I think firing variable will probably, I don't know if it's to say to haunt them because at some point you just have to make changes maybe for the best of both parties. But uh, I think variable is an outstanding coach and wherever he lands is, uh, we'll be better off for it, wh- wherever it is. Al Nate says, Bill staying in New England and relinquishing his GM duties. Josh McDaniels back as OC. If he's going to relinquish the GM duties, I think that's a great move. Would this not be the second time that that's happened in like both of these things? Or is this the first time Bill Belichick has actually been the actual general manager? Because McDaniels came back as the OC after his failed stint in Denver, correct? Yeah. Like, is Josh McDaniels the worst head coach in the history of the NFL? No, Patino. <laughs> That's his name, right? Who coached with the Falcons for like uh, half a year and then just left. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer would be up there. I mean, Josh McDaniels isn't one of the best coaches, but I'd, I'd say he's he's down there. He's close, but I don't think he's the worst. He he convinced two teams to hire him. He must be a That's great interview. Crazy, and well, three. The Colts. Well, yeah, hired the Colts him. were going to, and other teams probably would have hired if him if those teams didn't. Yeah, like I think he is, just rolls the Josh, rings on the table. Is Josh McDaniels a good coach or like a good coordinator, or did he just have Tom Brady? Though that, that's what I think. Yeah, I think Bill Belichick's a fantastic coach, but like his I think, offense isn't his thing, right? He's he's a defensive guy and also like a game plan guy, like outthinking everyone else. He just knows ball. <laughs> just looking at uh, Wikipedia for Bill Belichick, 
de facto general manager, <laughs> 2000 to present. So, and uh, and L Nate followed that up saying, "There's been GM on paper, but has still made all the decisions." Yeah. And yes, I, I understood that, but I I wasn't sure if he'd actually been the um, actually named general manager at any other point, or if that's only been in the last because he is the actual named GM now, right? Like there there is no on paper GM. It's Bill Belichick. I don't know. I try to not talk about the Patriots as much as possible because they tormented my life for so long. I'll make him probably text in. I just get vibes of like uh, Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster. And it just seems like <laughs> Masai's making the calls. Yeah, like, Bobby it's like Webster. In, in all the things, like even after the uh, the big trade the Raptors pulled off here last weekend, like did anybody say anything about Bobby Webster? It was all Masai Ujiri. Uh, Patriots front office has owner Robert Kraft President Jonathan Kraft and player personnel Matt Grill as director of player personnel, but that's it. Good gig, probably. <laughs> Bill, what do you think? I, that that's my Bill Belichick. I don't think he says a whole lot. He just makes these great moves, or he used to. Let's take a break here. Uh, we got a text coming in from a four hundred three that we don't have a name. We've got Tyler uh, L Nate. You can give us some more information on the uh, Patriots as well. It's one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. If you'd like to text in to the program, Connor Halley, Brandon Douglas, with you here. We'll also let you know what's coming up on the station. The Lowdown with Low Tide, the Jason Greger Show. Who will be on with them? We'll let you know next here on Fantasy Frenzy, brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. 11.45, it is Fantasy Frenzy here on Sports 14. 40 Connor Halley, Brandon Douglas with you. The show, as always, brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky, Alberta's best beef jerky. Locations in Leduc, Spruce Grove, and West Edmonton Mall. Check them out online at wilhawkbeefjerky.com. Uh, coming up today on Sports 14.40, of course, we do have the Lowdown with Low Tide coming up in about 15 minutes time. Uh, when Declan posts the, lo- the lineup, the roster, I will let you know exactly who's coming up. We'll have Jordan Hall, NBC Philadelphia Flyers reporter, joining us on the Jason Greger Show at 2.20. What happened in Philly? Well, a trade was made. Feelings were hurt. We'll uh, de- <laughs> dig into that a little bit more. Uh, Devon McEwen, Canadian bobsledder, will join us at 2.40. We'll have Sean Brown in at four or 3 o'clock to co-host for a couple hours. We'll hear from former NHLer Dennis Bonvey. Also, Jason Strudwick will go out to Chicago. Uh, Mark Spector and DVD will be by in the 5 o'clock hour as well. And uh, we'll keep you posted about what Declan has lined up here on the lowdown with low tide. Text coming in here, one from 403. No name here. How about Flyers fans all over Kevin Hayes blaming him for the cutter goatee trade? Brutal. What did Kevin Hayes do? Uh, so I it's... I think it was on like the intermission panel. Some one of the analysts for the Flyers. I don't know who it was. I didn't look that much into it because, frankly, I didn't care to give any validity to it by uh, even watching it. Um, they just said that like Kevin Hayes, uh, who I believe shares an alma mater with um, Cutter Goche, and they had become like kind of close since uh, drafting. And of course, Hayes leaving on pretty unceremonious terms. A dis- lot of disagreements with head coach John Tortorella. Uh, people. This analyst or whomever it was kind of leading us to believe that uh, Kevin Hayes whispering in the ear of Cutter Goche is what uh, steered him out of Philadelphia. Frank Saravalli, we had him on the Kevin Carey Show this morning, as we do every Tuesday and Thursday at 820. Uh, If you missed it, you can go back and listen. Hour two on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. And he said he personally reached out to Kevin Hayes and um, basically discredits it in its entirety. It's a complete uh, made-up rumor, pretty false. Uh, yeah. The funniest part, like as all the drama continues to unfold around this, I think one of the funnier parts was, I don't know if it was this morning or last night that Paul Bizanet, a uh, friend of the show or friend of the station, 
tweeting out that he actually heard the rumor was it was because of Scott Hartnell's hair. Yeah. Um, and that was a very, very good laugh. Uh, and that is why Cutter Goche wanted out because of uh, Lloyd Minster native Scott Hartnell's mop. Dumb rumor. Probably shouldn't have given it any more coverage, but uh, don't believe We're, it. Don't. And this, I, it's funny. And this is how it is nowadays with the online thing and Twitter, of course, being a, a bit of a hellscape for stuff like this. Sometimes we saw it with the Corey Perry rumors uh, when the Blackhawks released him. And now, we don't we don't want to give any legs to this, but we do want to address it and basically say like, yeah, this is this is not true. Um, there, there's no evidence to support it. How's that? Uh, to put it plainly, uh, we got a text in here from Tyler Millwoods one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Petrino left letters in players' lockers, and the next day was doing the pig suey chant with Arkansas. Tyler Millwoods, P.S. Go blue. Yeah, Bobby Petrino. <laughs> he, he was uh, there was a a motorcycle accident. I think there was. A few other things. I don't want to get it wrong because that's slander, but uh, go check out his Wikipedia page. A very well-traveled coach back at Arkansas as the OC after spending some time with Texas A&M and UNLV, Missouri, Louisville, Western Kentucky. Guy, the guy just Col- Some college coaches just really make their rounds. Like how many different places did um, Mike Leach end up coaching? Now, I know it's not as many as the, you just listed out, but he was a uh, uh, rest in peace, Mike Leach, a legend of the game, air raid offense. But he, like, coached, like, it's funny how college coaches will, like, just pick up their whole lives and move cross-country and then do it again in a couple of years because, as all coaches, you are hired to be fired at some point. Yeah, Leach wasn't, like, he did nine, ten years at Texas Tech, eight years at Washington State, then the last three years. Uh, obviously, he passed away about a year ago, like you said, RIP. But uh, I guess only, yeah. I, I, not he, quite as bad. He, he as was him. in the game so long, I guess I, I tricked my own memory into thinking it was more places, but he was just a staple at those, uh, particularly Washington and obviously at Tech, where he did patent that uh, that air raid offense. So shout out Mike Leach. Lance, All time great. Lance says, give it a good work, but he does not like the conversation about, well, we won't even say his name. How about that, Lance? Just a very good offensive coordinator, maybe. <laughs> When he's with a Hall of Fame quarterback. I, I, I was lost there for a second, but then I had to piece things back. Josh McDaniels. Yes, yeah. backtrack a little bit. Uh, L. Nate says, I'll tell you this. If the Pats trade down in this draft and or Russell Wilson becomes a QB, you'll never get another text <laughs> about the Pats from me. L. Nate, I hope that does not happen to you. You got a good pick. You got to take a quarterback. I would be shocked if either of those things happen. I think the, the Patriots will either, at, like the only thing they can do, if anything, is trade up. If, if there is like a bidding war to get the number one pick to get Caleb Williams, maybe it's the commanders. Like, and it's it's so funny how this is in the draft because like the commanders have the number two pick, but they know if they just stand pat, somebody if the Bears in fact decide to trade, that somebody else will trade for it and they will not get the de facto number one in Caleb Williams. And so like they have to be in that conversation to move up one spot in the draft. You're probably giving up that second pick. Mm-hmm. probably next year's first for the second pick maybe not the year after but probably some other later round picks perhaps probably not a roster player either because it is just the one spot but yeah it's it's crazy uh, the price to pay uh to move up such a little amount in uh, this coming springs draft and as uh, a chargers fan we'll tie into the next question uh ewan's just asking what i want to see the chargers do this offseason well i, I love that i i want to see quarterbacks go one two three I don't think the Cardinals will go away from Marvis and Harrison Jr. I think that's just too good to pass up because if they do trade back the Chargers, you know, for a quarterback needy team, Chargers are going to take them. It'll be the quickest pick ever. So for me, I hope the Chargers hire a good coach, Jim Harbaugh, 
I hope they find a center and I hope they draft of the guys there, probably Brock Bowers or Malik Neighbors. You, you, don't, you, you don't want to go O-line like Alt or the uh, Penn State no. guy whose name I can't pronounce? No, I don't. Joe Alt. Out, or, of, out of Notre Dame, yeah. I think we... Olumuyua Fashanu. Yeah, that's the Penn but, State guy. And they'll probably call him like Olu or something yeah. just to shorten it up. Shorten it to the old Tua, the old Tua yeah, trick. Yeah, it's what people do. But uh, offensive line would be good, but I, I want... Justin Herbert to Some have more a, a rock star. He's never had a legit tight end. Makes you, yeah, that's because I think Parham and Everett have served very well. But uh, like by all accounts, what Brock Bowers uh, profiles out as is like a game changing tight end, right? So I, I, by I, all reports, yeah, I think that would be a, a great uh, a great pick. I, I am curious if they would go the wide receiver route uh, though, based on like Quentin Johnston, Josh Palmer already in the fold. Um, like if it is a neighbor or. Who knows, like a Dunze or something? Like, yeah. are are they that much better than what they have right now? Um, because this is a team that, like, it, this isn't a rebuild. Like, this is a we had a bad year. Make use of the high pick and get right back into the fight because you've got Justin Herbert tied up in a lot of money. Uh, not to mention some of your other high played, uh, high paid players on the defensive side of the ball. So if you're cutting one of Bosa and Mac and probably Mike Williams and Eckler probably replaced in the backfield, like. You're, you're, you're looking at virtually the same team just with a few reconfigurated pieces. You're hoping to be back in the playoffs next year, are you not? I mean, I think anytime you have a quarterback that you believe is one of the top in the league, you can expect to get there. I, I think they could be. I, I like you. I think there will be some... It'll either be uh, contract just totally reconstructed to keep certain players in town. But I, I think at this point, Mike Williams... Joey Bosa, too many injuries. Keenan Allen was so good this year, and I think if it mattered, he would have played, but I think it was just like, shut him down, let him rehab for next year. Khalil Mack was great, but aging. But yeah, I, I just think if Bowers or Marvin Harrison or even Malik Neighbors potentially are there, going to be too tempting. Uh, Mike uh, Montana DeRay says Rabel to the Chargers. That'd be interesting. I, I, I love Mike Rabel. I think it'd be a great opportunity for him. If if he was uh, someone who wanted to go to the Chargers, I would be all over that. But I think Harbaugh might be number one. Uh, Brandon Husk is asking that song that he just played. Is that the Goo Goo Dolls? It was. Good ear. Good ear, Husk. You know, Goo Goo Dolls. They had a run of hits. It wasn't my type of music. But. Yeah, no, not really me either. But you got a you know, real recognized reel on some yeah. of the, the top top shelf bangers. Um, I've been on like my Instagram uh, algorithm has been giving me a lot of like uh, throwback music. And I like I'm talking like. 2000s maybe early 2010s type stuff i'm like do you remember this song and some of them it's like no i don't but that's a great song so i've been trying to write some of those down uh, and then check if there are in fact here in our uh, beautiful stingray library of available music because uh, some like there's so many songs that you just forget about when they were like that summer jam or something like they just they can lighten your mood change your day some of them so I'm trying to trying to get some new new stuff in the mix and move forward thanks to Instagram uh, reading my brain. I don't think Goo Goo Dolls was a band I would ever like go out of my way like, hey guys, I got a song. I'm going to put <laughs> this on. Check this out. But if it like comes on shuffle or it's on the radio, you might find yourself toe tapping or no, humming no, along. No. Yeah. yeah. You bet. I agree. Uh, no. <laughs> the day you hear me, you're like, hey boys, new Goo Goo's coming out. Then something's probably wrong. Uh, looks like we'll have Phil Thompson uh, Blackhawks beat reporter joining us on the Jason Greger show so that's one thing checked off the list as I scroll through 
Did Declan give us a pro? Oh, Declan, what are you doing, my man? My De- boy. Declan is slacking. He's having a hard time get a, getting a Chicago Blackhawks beat reporter. To be true, it's hard to get a hold of them. Do, do we think that they like some Blackhawks personnel might just be like, we're just taking the week off until we get some players back? That could be. We back. don't. This team sucks to I, talk about. I'm not spending my night down at the UC watching this team lose 9-1 to the Oilers. That's their job, and they must do it. What's, what's your score prediction tonight, Connor Howley? Uh, 7-2 Oilers. You? Four rip. For it. All right, that's good. Skinner's piling up the Shutskis. I hope to see it. Uh, big thank you to Anna Dua for hopping on today. Brandon Douglas, thank you as well. I'm Connor Halley. That'll do it for us. Thanks for tuning in. Let's go to an update brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky, home of Alberta's best beef jerky locations in Leduc, Spruce Grove, and West Edmonton Mall. WilhockBeefJerky.com. Here is Brandon Douglas.